So I, I have this um, annoying habit. Uh, I, actually, I have uh, several annoying habits. Um, but uh, there's this one that really drives me nuts. I, and, and, and it just drives me crazy, this, this annoying habit that I have. Um, and it's this annoying habit of caring too much about what other people think about me. How many of you have this habit as well? Okay, more than the first service. First service was like, nobody, they're like, we don't care. We don't care what anybody thinks about us. We get up at 9.30 and go to church. 11 o'clock says we care. That's why you're my favorite. No, in all seriousness, I, I care way too much about what other people think about me. I, I do, and maybe you're the same way. You just care too much what other people think about you. And, and, and it really kind of disrupts your whole life. It messes with your whole life, uh, you know, from the way that you dress. Like for me, I care way too much about brand names and, and how I, my appearance. I, I'm not saying that I'm going to quit showering. Uh, I'm just saying that uh, when it comes to, yeah, thank goodness for small favors. So, um, but when it comes, you know, I care too much about my appearance and, and things like that. And, and uh, you know, and, and, and my weight, you know, I care too much. And so I gave up pizza rolls for in the entire year of 2017, gained five pounds. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mrs. Totino, uh, for breaking up with you and your delicious pizza rolls. But I've gained five pounds by giving them up. So 2018, the pizza rolls are coming back. Let's hear it for pizza rolls. Yes, thank you. Oh, man, it's been a long year. It's been a long year. Those combination pizza rolls, the ones that turn nuclear in the microwave and, like, burn the roof of your mouth and leave strings hanging off and everything, that's great. I miss that. I care too much about what people think, you know, and so I worry about my appearance. I worry about, you know, uh, I got to get a gym. I mean, who's getting a gym membership January 1st? Anybody? I get a gym. Yeah, I pay my $25 a month fat tax because... Uh, because I'm not going to go. I'm, I'm going to get really excited about it. That's a joke a comedian told a long time ago. But uh, I'm going I'm to get the gym membership, and I'm not going to go. I'm going to go for two weeks. I'm going to be serious about it. And, 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 then, and then I'm not going to be serious about it. I'm going to be locked into a contract and feel like an idiot. But anyway, so, but I care too much about what people think about me. I care too much about you know, things like my hair, and I care too much about my, the car I drive or the house. I, I care too much about you know, things I, I, where I, I, I'm almost paralyzed. I'm afraid to say something. I'm afraid to do something because somebody may think bad about me or somebody may think something bad about my church or something about my family. And so I kind of get paralyzed and, and I'm, I'm so scared about what other people may think about me. I'm scared about, you know, what, what people feel about my Facebook posts or how many friends I have or how many likes I get. And I obsess about these stupid things that really don't matter that much. You know, I, if you go to my Facebook profile and you click under political views, views you'll see it says this, I have them. Because I do, but I'm not about to tell you what they are. Good, <laughs> yeah, thank goodness, right? But I, and so I just, I care so much about what other people think about me, and it almost, you know, paralyzes me to where I, I'm afraid to stand up and, and take a stand for something or to stand up and, and, and be bold about something because I'm so scared of what somebody else may think. And maybe you're the same, may, same way. I think we all are to an extent. We're, we're, we're too focused and too obsessed with what other people think about us to where we won't do what we need to do. We won't obey God, even. Because we're too afraid that somebody may think that we're some kind of a, a freak. What are you, some kind of Jesus freak? What are you, some kind of weirdo? Oh, 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 so you're going to church now, so, so you must be better than me now. And, and so we're afraid to stand up for our faith because somebody may look at us and go, oh, you think you're so much better than me now because you go to church. And if you ever have that fear, don't raise your hands. 
or, or you can, it's all right. But I, so, you know, people may look at you and, and think that you're weird or think that you're strange uh, because you go to church or because you read your Bible or because you talk about Jesus at work, you talk about Jesus at school, and, and you're so worried that, you know, what are other people going to say about me? What are the other people going to think about me because of my faith? because of my relationship with Jesus, because I go to church, or because I, a teenager goes to youth group, or, you know, and so teenagers especially, you guys are under so much pressure, so much peer pressure, and, and, and it's so hard to be a teenager uh, and, and because you're so worried about what other people think about you. And every day is a fashion show at school, or every day is a, a, just an attempt just to make it through the day without looking like an idiot and, and feeling like a fool and trying to fit in. And if you stand out from the crowd, and if you don't fit in, then you feel all weird and goofy and, and like no one's going to like you. And, and that's hard. And it goes the same way at work. We all want to be loved. We all want to be accepted. We all want to be uh, free to be ourselves and and. and if we're worried about what other people think about us, if we're afraid of what other people may think about us, then we're going to not do what we need to do. We're not going to stand up for what we believe in. We're not going to stick out because we're afraid. And we may not obey God because we're more worried about what people think about us than what God thinks about us. We're more worried about what people will say about us than what God says about us. And so we kind of hold back. And we do things that we're not necessarily proud of. Or we don't do things that we know we should do. Because we're afraid to stick out. We're afraid of what people may think about us. Well, today we're going to talk about a guy who was kind of scared. He was kind of afraid of what people were going to say about him and his future wife. But he obeyed God anyway. He said yes to God. And my encouragement for us today is to do the same thing. Is that we would say yes to God. No matter what other people may think about us. We're going to look at the story of Joseph today. Jesus' earthly father. Now last week we started this new series called Fear Not. It's a series based on a series from Life Church in Oklahoma. And uh, this series is all about... Uh, three stories where an angel appeared to the original people in the Christmas story. And these three people uh, had this encounter with these angels. And the angel said, fear not, or do not be afraid. Because they were all scared. I don't know what angels look like, but they must be terrifying. Because every time they show up, they say, fear not, do not be afraid. So in this story today, in the book of Matthew chapter 1 is where we are. Uh, Matthew is writing about the story of Jesus' earthly father, Joseph. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Last week we looked at the story of Mary uh, and how the angel appeared to her and said, Fear not, the, the child that you are carrying is from the Holy Spirit, uh, and uh, you don't have to be afraid to do what God is calling you to do. That's what we talked about last week. Next week we're going to talk about how we don't have to be afraid uh, when we talk about how the story of the uh, shepherds, when an angel appeared to a bunch of shepherds, uh, and that'll be next week. The following week, uh, we're going to talk about how we don't have to be afraid of anything. Uh, we're going to talk about a verse of Scripture that has nothing to do with Christmas, but has everything to do with Christmas and not being afraid of anything. 
But for today, we're in Matthew chapter 1. We're going to look at the story of Joseph and talking about being afraid of what people may think about us, how we do not have to be afraid of what people think about us. We'll talk about why that is as we kind of break this open. So if you got your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. If you didn't bring one, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 681 of that Bible. Uh, or you can use your favorite app on your smartphone or tablet. Or the words will be up on the screen in just a moment. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1. Matthew's writing to a primarily Jewish audience. Uh, and he, is going to, he uses a lot of Old Testament references to point to Jesus as the Messiah. The Jews were looking for a Savior. They were looking for a Messiah who would save the nation from the nation's sins so that the nation would be blessed and prosperous and would be restored to a place of prominence in the world. But that's not why Jesus came. He didn't come to save a nation. He came to save the world. Let's talk about it. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 is where we're going to start. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Now, we said last week that Mary and Joseph were engaged. They were betrothed to be married. Uh, most marriages in those days were arranged marriages. So Mary's parents got together with Joseph's parents and said, our kids are going to get married. Now, that may sound like unfair and it may sound kind of weird and maybe archaic, um, but uh, not only did the parents have to agree, but the parties who were going to get married, the bride and groom, also had to consent. Uh, they had to give their consent uh, to be married. So it's not like Mary and Joseph were forced to get married um, against their will. They, were, uh, they, had to con uh, they had to give their consent as well. So Mary and Joseph know each other. They love each other. They're falling in love. They, they give their consent to be married as well. So uh, Mary and Joseph are engaged to be married. Uh, engagements typically lasted a year. So they would get engaged. Uh, the, 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 the groom would pay the bridal price. He would pay a certain amount for the right to marry uh, his, his future wife. Uh, they would be engaged. Uh, this engagement was a, a binding legal contract. And it was so binding, in fact, that the only way you could break off an engagement was through a legal divorce. It, it was that serious, the, the engagements were that serious that you would have to divorce the other person in order to break off the engagement. And to uh, cheat on your fiancé was uh, considered adultery. It, it was uh, akin to adultery. So you've got Mary and Joseph who are engaged to be married. Mary's living at her parents' house because that's where the bride would live. She would live at her parents' house for that year until the wedding feast. So Mary's living with her parents, and she's found out to be with child. She's found out to be, she's, she's going to have a baby. She's pregnant. Now, in Joseph's mind, this can only mean one thing, because he's a righteous man. He hasn't done anything. He hasn't, he hasn't slept with Mary yet. And so, uh, in his mind, this means one thing. Mary cheated on him. Look at verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he did the right things. And did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. In, those, in the Old Testament days, if you committed adultery, the uh, punishment was death by stoning. Now, in New Testament times, that was a, a far less utilized practice. So Mary wasn't in danger of losing her life uh, because it, would, it, it appeared that she had cheated on Joseph. Uh, there was no fear of that, but it would involve a messy divorce. 
And not only that, but Mary would be disgraced in the eyes of her family, in the eyes of her community. Uh, and, and not only that, but she would have a very hard time finding someone to marry her down the road. Because not only uh, is she uh, an adulteress, but she also has a child. And so what man is going to come along and marry uh, Mary because uh, she's got a child, she's uh, been accused of cheating, uh, and when her parents, she would live with her parents until her parents died, and then when her parents died, she'd have no way of providing for herself. She would be uh, completely um, destitute. She wouldn't have anything, uh, any way of providing for herself. But, so, so Joseph says, uh, I'm just going to, instead of doing that, instead of disgracing her publicly, I'm just going to quietly divorce her. And what they could do was they could get two witnesses and a legal document that said that they were going to get divorced. And so he's just going to do this quietly. Uh, he's not going to make a big ruckus about it. He's not going to disgrace Mary because he loves her. But an angel appears and changes everything. Look at verses 20 and 21. But after he had considered this, the uh, quiet divorce, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. We saw last week how the Greek name Jesus is uh, the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua. And the name Joshua or Yeshua literally means Yahweh saves or God is salvation. So Yahweh saves. And this is the name given to Jesus because Jesus is going to save his people from their sins. Not the sins of the nation, but individuals. He came to die for your sins. He came to die for my sins. And that's why Jesus went to the cross to be the perfect human sacrifice. And he gave himself up for us. He took our punishment that we deserve. We deserve a death uh, and we deserve hell, but that's not what God gives us. Instead, he gives us a way out. He gives us salvation. He gives us forgiveness for all of our sins, past, present, and future. And if you'll put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ, if you'll believe in him and repent from your sins and turn away from sin and turn to God for forgiveness and confess your faith and get baptized, God will wash away your sins. Past, present, future, gone. You're like Teflon, man. Your sins don't stick to you anymore. You are free. So we've got Joseph, who's going to divorce Mary, and the angel says, don't be afraid. You have nothing to fear. Don't worry what your family says. Don't worry what the community says. Don't worry what anybody else says, because you've got to know what God says. And when we, uh, when we become obsessed with what God thinks, when we become obsessed with what people think about us, it's the quickest way to forget what God thinks about us. Does that make sense? And you know what? The flip side is true. When we become obsessed with what God thinks about us, it is the quickest way to forget what people think about us. And I'm here to tell you right now what God thinks about you. God thinks you're to die for. God is crazy in love with you. He is mad about you. He's not mad at you. He's mad about you. And he loves you with the intense burning love of a heavenly father. And he cares for you so much. Every, he, knows, he knows every detail about you. Your Heavenly Father knows how many blood cells are coursing through your veins right now. 
because he is so intensely uh, in love with you that he knows everything about you. How many hairs are on your head? How many hairs used to be on your head? God knows how long your toenails are. Because he loves you. He wants to know everything about you. And not only does he love you, but he, he likes you. See, it's easy to love some people sometime, right? But it's not always easy to like people. God not only loves you, he likes you. And you want to know how I know he likes you? Because he wants to spend time with you. He wants to spend forever with you. See, I can, I can love people and not want to be around them. But I want to be around the people that I like. And God wants to be around you. He wants you to be around him. He loves you and he likes you. And that's what he says about you. But when we become so obsessed with what people think about us, we forget what God thinks about us. And if we will flip that script, and if we will become obsessed with what God thinks about us, instead of obsessed with what people think about us, then we're going to forget what people think. Because people are going to tear you down. People are going to run you down. They're going to gossip about you. They're going to slander you. They're going to call you bad things to your face. They're going to talk bad about you behind your back. They're going to stab you in the back. They're going to make your life miserable. People will do that to you. God will never, ever, ever do that to you. Because he loves you. And he likes you. And he wants to spend forever with you. That's why he sent Jesus. To make that possible. Look at verses 22 and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The prophet Isaiah he's talking about. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah said, a virgin will be with child, and they will call him Emmanuel, because it means God with us, or God is with us. See, God was not just with the people of the Bible. He was not just with the prophet Isaiah. He was not just with Peter and Paul and the apostles. God was not just with those people back then. No, God is still with us. God is with you. God is with me. God is with us. We don't have to be afraid of what anybody else thinks about us because God is with us. We don't have to be afraid of what anybody else says about us because of what God says about us. We don't have to be afraid of what anybody does to us because God has already done everything for us. We don't have to be afraid, friends. We don't have to be afraid because God is with us. And he will never leave you. He will never abandon you. He will never walk away from you. He will never turn his back on you. God is Emmanuel. Jesus is Emmanuel. And he is always, always with us. Let's close it out. Look at verses 24 and 25. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph fully obeyed God. He said yes to God and he did what God told him to do and because Joseph obeyed God fully God did something amazing 
by, by becoming a human being and coming into our world. He's, he didn't say, I'm waiting for you to come to me, world. He says, world, I'm coming to you. And that's why Jesus came. To make forgiveness and salvation possible. And that's what Jesus did. So what does this all mean for us? What does this mean? How, what, does it, how, you know, what does it mean that we don't have to be afraid? What does it mean that we don't have to fear what other people think about us? Here's a couple things I want to just share with you. If you are not ready to be criticized for your obedience to God, you're not ready to be used by God. If you're not ready to be criticized for your obedience to God, you're not ready to be used by God. Does that make sense? Because, see, God is going to call us to do some things that may get us criticized. God may ask us to do some things that make us stand out and look weird or look different. So maybe you've got to stop watching something or, or stop listening to something or stop going to those kinds of movies because they fill your heart and they fill your mind and they fill your head with junk. They fill your soul with junk. And so maybe you've got to say, you know what, I'm not going to watch that anymore or I'm not going to listen to that anymore. I'm not going to go to those movies anymore. Even though my friends may look at me like I'm some kind of weirdo or some kind of freak, I'm not going to do those things anymore because it fills my heart and my head with junk. I, I, I've told you before, it's been a while, but you know, how many of you remember the show The Sopranos? HBO, Sopranos? A few of you. The more holy of the group, first service, like everybody knew about it. That's why you're my favorite. Um, but when I was in, when I was uh, several years ago, when The Sopranos was on, I loved the show. I would watch it all the time. But you know what? I noticed something. That the more I watched the show, the, the more I sounded like Tony Soprano. And I'm not talking, I'm serious, you know. I'm not talking about just speaking with a Jersey accent. I'm talking about like the things that Tony said, I would say. And it's like, you know what? If I want to sound less like Tony Soprano, I need less Tony Soprano in my life. And I quit watching the show. And so maybe that's for you. Maybe you're, you're watching things that you shouldn't be watching or, or you feel guilty about watching. It's like, man, it's so good. But, you know, I, I, act, I act different or I sound different or I talk different. Because I watch these things and I'm putting junk in my mind and putting junk in my heart. And junk is coming out of my mouth. Junk is coming out of my attitude. So maybe you got to stop watching those things. Even though other people may look at you and go, man, what are you, some kind of Jesus freak? You some kind of weirdo? Yeah, you know what? Yeah, yes I am. Because I want to protect my heart. I want to protect my mind. Or, or maybe uh, you have to take an unpopular stand. I'm looking at you teenagers. Maybe you have to take an unpopular stand at school and you're going to stand out and you're going to stick out and you're going to look weird. When all your friends say, hey man, uh, we're, we're having a party this weekend. There's going to be all kinds of drugs and drinking and stuff and all kinds of stuff. Man, you, you, you coming? And you got to say, no, I'm not. Because God wants me to live a holy life. God wants me to live a pure life. He wants me to live a life of purity. So I'm not going to put drugs into my body. I'm not going to drink and, and get drunk. Uh, I'm not going to mess around before I get married. I'm going to save myself for marriage. What are you, some kind of weirdo? What are you, some kind of Jesus freak? Well, you go to church? You believe in Jesus? Yes, I do. And you're going to take a stand for something you believe in, even if it's unpopular, or even if it makes you look weird, or even if it makes you look like a freak. You're going to stand up for what is right, because you're going to be more obsessed with what God says about you than what your friends say about you what your friends think about you. And I'll tell you something from experience, teenagers, okay? Those people who look at you now and maybe make fun of you or talk about you behind your back, they don't matter. Because in five years from now, you're never going to see them again. Uh, adults, am I lying? No. 
And I know it's hard. Teens, I know it's hard. I know it's so hard. You're like, man, my friends and, and my life is all about my friends. Sure, your friends will run out on you in, in a moment's notice. They will run out on you. So don't put all your stock in your friends. I'm not saying don't have friends. I'm just saying don't put all your stock in your friends. Be more concerned, more obsessed with what God says about you than what your friends say about you. Because what God says about you is the truth. And he loves you and cares for you more than you know. So the other thing I want to kind of share with you this morning is that extraordinary acts of God often start with ordinary acts of obedience. Extraordinary acts of God often start with ordinary acts of obedience. Look at the life of Joseph. All he had to do, him and Mary, all they had to do was say yes to God. And God did something extraordinary. They said yes to God, and God did something amazing. He sent Jesus. And has saved billions of people through Jesus Christ. Because two ordinary people said yes to God. They did what God commanded them to do. Joseph especially. I mean, Joseph just said, I mean, Mary, I mean, she was going to give birth no matter what. I mean, she was pregnant. But Joseph could have walked away. He could have said, you know, I, I, I want no part of this. I mean, what's my family going to say? What are my friends going to say? What are my community going to say? What is the rabbi going to say? And you know what? Joseph said, I will say yes to God. I will obey God. And I will do what he tells me to do. Extraordinary acts of God often start with ordinary acts of obedience. And so for you, that may just mean saying yes to God and something that he wants you to do. And you may not understand why he's calling you to do what he's asking you to do. Obey him anyway. You may not understand how things are going to work out. You may not understand. You may not see the road ahead. You may not see where you're headed. You may not know what's around the corner or what's around the bend. But I'm sure I'm here to tell you, you've got to say yes to God. Just say yes to God. He will make the path straight. What does the book of Proverbs say? Chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. He will get you where He wants you to be. He will get you where you need to be. Say yes to God and fully obey Him because extraordinary acts of God often start with ordinary acts of obedience. So maybe for you that's just doing something real simple like inviting someone to church for Christmas this year. You've got those invite cards around you somewhere. Take one and hand it to a coworker. Take one and hand it to a, a classmate. Take one and hand it to a neighbor. Just say, I'd love it if you would come check out my church for Christmas this year. We've got four services. I'd love it if you would come check it out this year. And that may be it. That may be all that God is asking you to do. Just to, to say yes to him and invite someone to church. Or maybe he's asking you to do something major. Maybe he's asking you to do something extraordinary. You know, and, and, and go into the mission field or go into the ministry to, to give up some comfortable uh, lifestyle in order to get uncomfortable on the mission field. Or maybe he's calling you to, to give up some of your luxuries in order to be more generous toward his kingdom or more generous toward the poor. Maybe he's asking you to take a stand for something that may be unpopular. Whatever God is asking you to do, say yes to God because he cares for you he will protect you through it he will love you through it 
and the promise of heaven is yours no matter what they do to you here on earth. Nothing can take heaven away from you. Nothing. I want to close with this. We always give our best to what we value most. So what do you value most? Do you value the opinions of people? Do you value the opinions of your family or your friends or your community or even your church? Do you value more what people think about you or do you value most what God thinks about you? And if you will value most what God thinks about you, you will do your best for him. And you will say yes to whatever he's asking you to do. You will say yes to whatever he's asking you to do. So maybe for you that's, that is being more generous or maybe that is inviting someone to church or maybe that's taking that first step of faith and, and, and coming, to, coming to faith in Christ, getting baptized. Uh, maybe it's, it's getting more serious about your relationship with God and coming to church more and joining a connection group or getting involved in a ministry. Whatever God is asking you to do, say yes to him. Give your best to God and live for him.